0: Welcome to mini episode 41 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Lee Atry,
1: Angela Pollock. Rebecca. Janelle Cocroft, a.k.a. PokerSplort.
0: <laughs> Cameron Scobie.
1: Catherine Furman. Payne-Gah. Johnny.
0: L.A. Beedles. Fyakra Murphy. Jen Pearl.
1: He Jin Kwon. Diane Hughes, Alex, Sean Lewis, Nicola Jones, The Sleepy Selkie, Terra Dactyl,
0: Haley Pearson Cox, Hetty, Hannah Montagna,
1: Rhea Corbett,
0: Betsy Southall,
1: Christian Chacon,
0: Holly McKee Clark. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you every damn day.
1: We sure do.
0: And we've got a little promo today to start things off and our promo is for the podcast dandies in danger dandies in danger is one of those rpg podcasts Mm. uh which is
1: role-playing game
0: yes like literally that just went out of my mind (laughs) i only found out about role-playing games relatively recently which probably is going to sound really silly but i just didn't know they were a thing and uh, i'm desperate to play
1: I mean, I'm guessing you're talk- not talking about a computer game RPGs, then. No, no.
0: <laughs> and I feel like I would be um, absolutely awful because of my lack of concentration. I was and
1: say your attention span might be a bit of a problem.
0: You know that episode of the Community where Pierce uh, uh, yes. they don't let him play, and then he ruins it. That'll be me. Hmm. That'll be me. So Dandies in Danger is about four dandies that find themselves woefully out of their depth when London takes a turn for the occult. Zachary, Adrian, Daniel and Liam are looking for many things in London. Gothic inspiration, sublime pleasures, a place in society. What they find is more romantic adventure than they bargained for. The city is changing and this hapless bunch must face spirits, curses and mandatory socialising. Join four queer hosts on a jolly romp through fecklessly rewritten 1830s England. And it is just a fun Old time and well worth a listen. So that is Dandies in Danger. Are you ready for some stories this week? I am. Story number one comes from Liz, who is one of the hosts of Dandies in Danger, would you believe?
1: Ah, interesting.
0: I wanted to share my story with you because while it's not terribly creepy, it's something that has stuck with me throughout the years. For context, my grandmother on my mother's side passed away in 2013 while my grandmother on my father's side passed away sometime later in 2016. Before she died, I had a surprising dream. I dreamt I was in a vast forest, visiting a small pond deep in the woods. I couldn't see it, but I knew the pond was overlooked by a benevolent female presence. A bright light was shining on one side of the water, and that, I knew, was a portal for spirits who had passed on, Many people were there, dressed in white walking around in the water Again, it was one of those dream things where I couldn't exactly see it but I knew that this was a place where people could visit their deceased relatives and it wasn't just me who was there to visit at the time The atmosphere was cheerful and warm like a huge family reunion or a community gathering I met my maternal grandmother there and gave her a big hug It's so nice to see you, I told her When I stepped back, I looked over her shoulder and saw my dad's mother standing nearby, also dressed in white. At this time, she was still alive, so I was confused to see her. I asked her, why are you here? She smiled and shrugged, oh, you know, and gestured at the bright light, implying that she was going to follow my other grandmother. I wasn't as close to my paternal grandmother, so I only responded with a confused, oh, okay, after that the dream faded. The next morning my now wife and I were making breakfast when I got a text from my dad. He had gone to visit his mother only to find out that she'd become very sick and would need to enter hospice. She died of cancer a number of months later. Before this none of us had any idea that she was sick so I can't explain the dream away that way. This is my only vaguely paranormal experience so it has always stuck with me. The dream itself was so warm and peaceful that I can't say it was particularly scary, but the timing of my dad's text was eerie.
1: Premonitory—is that the right word? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Yeah, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> People know what you mean. It's fine. <laughs> so this is quite—I don't want to say nice because of obviously what it leads to. Ultimately, at the end, is not the best. But it's—I kind of—if you—if you need to be told something, and you're gonna—you've got to find out in a certain way, this is probably preferable over three knocks or like a tiny little woman screaming on your door or something like that. Oh yeah,
0: or like witnessing, you know, you wake up and she's sitting, an old woman sitting in the corner of your bedroom or whatever, yeah. Yeah.
1: And this is, and it was just everything about the way that Liz described the dream was really sort of...
0: uh, Serene.
1: Serene is the right word. I was going to say ambient, but that means something very different, doesn't it? Well,
0: we're going ambient too. People know what you mean, it's okay.
1: (laughs) And just everything was just, it was was nice and, and calm and made sense in the moment it sounded like
0: isn't it weird how in your dreams you just know things i know your dreams are created by your own brain so obviously you're going to know but you know sometimes like you have a dream about somebody you've never seen that physical form before but you still know what person it is yeah it might not look like your mum, but you know instinctively it's your mom it's the weirdest thing Dreams it is, are so strange
1: it's really strange when you have those dreams where you you know that it's like I've had dreams when I know it's you but you don't look anything like you, yeah <laughs> I've had those dreams too. I
0: must say as well i'm I'm eternally fascinated by people having these kinds of dreams where you're like at a pond in a forest and you know it's people from the other side or Whatever, i have the fucking and i know i say this all the time but i have the weirdest dreams my dreams do not have a linear pathway like that they don't i don't remember them as being like oh i was in a forest i was beside a pond my grandmother was there mine are fucking bonkers
1: i don't f- like with the with the exception of the odd few cases which i've spoken about on the podcast before i.e. that house i always go back to which i know pretty much know the floor plan of but i've never been to in real life i very rarely have locations to my dream like that always impresses me when people are like i was in the forest and it was the sun was shining and there was water because mine's all about people and actions and monsters and disasters and and dialogue and stuff like that and actually the surroundings are not very important that might have something to do with my scatterbrain approach to life um but yeah
0: yeah it's a very It does always fascinate me about people's dream stories. I was going to talk about the dream I had last night, but then I realised that I probably really shouldn't do that. If anybody knows who my old maths teacher was, it's not a good idea. (laughs) And our second story today comes from Hallie. My first story is much more about my mother's experience with the incident than mine, because I was too young to remember it. Growing up, my mother had a best friend named Angie. Angie passed away suddenly when they were in college. She got a rare virus that took her very quickly. Both my mom and I are very vivid dreamers, and we've always held the belief that our loved ones who have passed on come and visit us in dreams. When I was around four years old, my mom had a visit from Angie in a dream. In the dream, Angie came to our current house and explained to my mom that she was moving to Africa and would never be able to talk to her again. My mom tried to correct her by saying that they have long-distance phones now, and even those big clunky early versions of cell phones, that surely they would communicate somehow. No matter what my mom said, Angie kept insisting that this was the last time they would speak. When my mother talks about the dream, she says that the dream stuck with her all day and left her with a really weird feeling. The following evening, my mom and dad were going on a date night. While my mom was trying to get ready, I waddled around behind her with my toy phone. It wasn't a real phone, with the battery and memory card taken out. It was one of those pink, blue and yellow toy phones that you get for children. I started to tug at my mom and said, Mommy, the phone is for you. My mother was far more concerned with doing her makeup, so she brushed me off the first ten times I said this. I continued to follow her around and insisted that the phone was for her. Finally, she caved. She took the plastic phone from my pudgy hands and said, Oh well then, it's for me, who is it? Cheerfully, I replied, Mommy, it's Angie, she wants to talk to you. When my mom retells the story, she says that she immediately gets goosebumps. She didn't know how to react. My mom had not spoken of the dream around me that day at all. I also would have had no idea who Angie was. She had passed away long before I had ever even been thought of. This was about the time the sixth sense had come out, so my mom immediately thought she had a ghost-seeing child. (laughs) I would argue that the most chilling aspect of my story is the fact that I insisted that Angie was on the phone after Angie telling my mom they wouldn't have communication any further. The phone I had been carrying, as I said before, was a toy. There wasn't some possibility that the word Angie could have come out of it. It simply made funny noises that all kids' toys do. To this day, we can only explain it as Angie using me to show my mom that she was still around and still trying to talk to her.
1: This, I have to admit, when you started the story, I was a bit like, oh no. This is uh, from my mom's point of view because I was too young to remember and I was like, uh oh, creepy kid incoming. Imaginary friend (laughs) incoming. But this is uh, just as unsettling if you really think about it, because we always talk about kids having like a a sort of a thinner veil between realities. And everything about this story screams to me that she could hear Angie.
0: Or she spoke to Angie or whatever it was. I also think as well that around that time, it was kind of late 90s, wasn't it? That um, Sixth Sense came out. Yeah. Like M. Night Shyamalan had a lot to answer for because I bet you there was parents all <laughs> over the world going, oh my God, that's what's wrong with my kid. And, you know, there's that bit in the film as well where there's like orbs in all the photos. Yep. Imagine you're a parent, late 90s, you've just seen The Sixth Sense and then you're like, oh my God, there's like lights in all the pictures of my kid. You shit yourself.
1: I have to say probably... If there were family photos that were left in my family's collection and that my little sister hadn't cut up and destroyed when she was a child, um, I'd imagine that most of our family photos from the 90s have orbs in them. And that's more to do with the quality of instant cameras in the 90s than there to be loads of spirits, I'd say. Absolutely. (laughs) But I just feel like this is... I feel like she heard something on that phone. Like, I don't feel how... I don't see how you can justify it any other way.
0: Or she just, as kids do just understood on a different level yeah you know what was that remember that film where it was like babies had had all the secrets of the universe but they lost them when they lost the or when they started speaking
1: nope yeah well anyway if anybody has
0: <laughs> ever if anybody ever has seen that film then you need to let me know what it is i'm, I'm never going to watch it but i'm it sure did it's exist. like a,
1: i'm sure it's like an actual film but i just haven't heard of it
0: story number three okay comes from becky I'm a six foot tall woman, weighing in at 223 (laughs) pounds, and that has nothing to do with these tiny tails. My family is known to be sensitive, or at least always the youngest child in each generation, which is me. My father was known for premonitions at his church and would stop the pastor during the sermons and call out people who were thinking certain things. Based on the stories below and being the youngest, I'm assuming that I've been past the sensitivity... My great-grandfather was put into an asylum because we assume his gift and the inability to control it. Also, that was around the time that family often placed hard-to-handle family in the care of these kinds of facilities. Regardless, here is just a very small sampling of some of my experiences. Mona Lisa was my childhood best friend, who passed away from a brain tumour in 5th grade. As the tumour grew, she had lost her sight and I told her that I didn't want to play with her anymore. This is important later, because kids can be assholes and I am no different. Because of how I handle this, I rarely speak about her, as I don't want people to know my actions. I told my husband once about 17 years ago when we had been dating a good while. Flash forward and my youngest was six. She was playing in the living room, talking out loud and giggling. I popped my head in the room and asked her what was so amusing. And she responded, My imaginary friend Mona Lisa is being very funny. Taken aback but still playing it cool, I said, Oh, Mona Lisa's a very pretty name. And she said, Mona Lisa said you always thought her name was pretty. Okay, I realised she had the sensitivity. About two years later I decided to see a psychic, just for the shits and giggles. And she stopped the reading to say that there were several spirits around me. But the strongest was a little girl with brown hair, who died far too young traumatically. I asked what else she could see, and the psychic said, The spirit says that she accepts your apology. It was insane. Growing up, I lived in my grandparents' basement. And we had a storage area for Christmas decor, old clothes, etc. that my grandma called The Crypt. Why she called it The Crypt, I have no idea but assuming she had some sick sense of humour. The crypt always felt heavy, a pressure whenever I entered it, I hated it in there. I asked my grandma one day why it was so cold in there, and she said it was the crypt ghost. Seeing that it was right next to my bedroom area, I often had things moved or even disappear. Ghosty, I would holler, can you please stop and give me my black jeans back? This was in the mid-90s when we all wore black jeans, Doc Martens and flanneled shirts while we swam around in our angst. The crypt door had a large handle or a latch and was covered in those old wooden shingles to match the rest of the wall. I would often have to close it and relatch it and say Ghosty, make my bedroom cold when you leave the door open. Ghosty and I lived in peace together except for when it moved my things and the random noises it would make in the crypt. But it kept the noise down when I asked. Also, this could not have been my grandma, as she had hip surgery, and didn't and couldn't do the stairs any longer. My family moved to the Virginia country about three years ago, onto ten heavily wooded acres with no one around. There's no streetlights, no close neighbours, nothing. My husband snapped a photo of our house when he was alone to send to our old neighbours and lure them in to visit. And there was something in the bedroom. My bedroom lights were off, there are no outside lights, and we have tried to recreate this experience multiple times. We can't, so I live with the understanding that I am not alone in the room. Our land is on the original land of one of the revolutionary advocates. The old house about 2 miles away is on a historical tour called The Road to Revolution, and I kept seeing a black woman walking on the country road with a basket near our crossroads and I thought it was a really unsafe stretch of road for her to be walking on. But where she walked was really none of my business, so I let it be. I came to find out that our crossroad and our town used to be called something else, and it was named after a slave that ran away was caught, and the owner cut a foot off and put it on a pike at the crossroads to give a lesson to the other slaves. I think I am seeing a slave working, as she would, but caught in some sort of ghost loop, I've also seen a black man at the bottom of our driveway, but only ever when it's very early morning and it's still dark. I've played with a Ouija board one time in my life, and I wasn't even an overly willing participant. In high school I hung out with the strange drama nerds, because I am a strange drama nerd. We would go and hang out at my friend's house all weekend and make stupid VHS movies, skits and videos. This one night a friend, who wasn't in the normal crowd but had somehow wriggled in, brought a Ouija board to try and talk to JFK as he was obsessed with him. So this guy put four candles in a square shape around the board and he and another girl started to use the board. Whatever happened, it happened fast. I can't even really describe clearly what happened. I was sitting on the couch and screaming started. Then there was a sound of snarling in the room. Low. "'but getting louder. "'I was pulled towards the board "'and yelled at to start saying the Lord's Prayer "'as there was something coming through the board "'that was unintentional. "'I looked over at one of my friends "'and he was in some kind of a trance "'rocking back and forth "'and drawing a picture of a beast "'with large teeth and horns. "'I began to say the prayer repeatedly "'and then the board started spelling out "'Fuck you, bitch. "'Faster and faster and faster.' and then the board levitated off the floor and flew at the wall towards my head. Nearly right after, the guy who had brought the board had his leg catch on fire even though the candle was a good three feet from him. We were able to put him out. But needless to say, we didn't make any silly videos that night, and we all slept very little.
1: And that, children, is why you do not play with Ouija boards. (laughs) And it's time for one of Dan's Ouija board
0: PSAs.
1: I think there's... You know, I'm very impressed with people that are sensitive and I am also very thankful that I'm not one of those people.
0: I know, right? Would you be able for it? Like, <laughs> no, would I, you? I mean, to go back to the sixth sense again, like that is what that feels like, yeah. you know, to be able to see things like that. And you just be thinking, oh, can't, I can't be bothered. I cannot be bothered seeing ghosts all the
1: time. But I feel like if you're sensitive, that's not the attitude you take. No, probably not. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> probably not really wouldn't. sensitive, is it? <laughs> probably far more <laughs> empathic about their
0: you know the strife and the fact that they're stuck in a loop or whatever not just me being like I cannot be bothered with you why do I need
1: to see you all the time she's just knocking about with all the ghosts all the I, time
0: I do think as well there is a lot to be said for places where real like you know generations of trauma has happened yeah absolutely Um, like places where there was you know massive slave ownership There, there is probably a lot to be said for energy that still resides there of all places i think places of repeated trauma is somewhere where you know what stuff probably does happen that's paranormal if it was ever going to happen anywhere
1: yes i agree but i just couldn't i couldn't be handling it it's just too much on the daily on the daily basis for this person just yeah seeing the spirits all the time i like the fact that struck up a base uh, struck up a relationship with the basement ghost or the Crypt Ghost, or the Crypt Ghoulie, or whatever it's called. She had a good name for it. I couldn't remember what it was called. Ghosty. Ghosty, that's it. I like that they struck up a relationship. And I'd also like to point out that some of us still wear black jeans and dwell in our angst.
0: Um, I thought the same thing when I was reading it. When it was like, black jeans, stock Martens, and a flannel shirt. I was like, there I am, in all my 90s glory, still, in 2020. Because I am actually a 90s teenager at heart, still.
1: When a teenager, no, I wasn't 90s. a teenager in the 90s. <laughs> I just realized that when I said it.
0: <laughs> also, I think it's really important to point out that like kids are just dickheads.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, that bit in the story about saying to your friend when you were like six or whatever that I don't want to play with you anymore because you're blind that I'm <laughs> that is that is a lot more simplistic than it yeah, was in the story. Simple. But like kids are horrible because their sense of morals
1: you develop them over time. Yeah, some people don't even develop them. Yeah, so. like me like me
0: <laughs> so i think i think all kids do i don't think you should carry around that guilt no absolutely
1: not absolutely not particularly when you're that young as well friendships break up over like not being able to share the wet sand and stuff like that you know
0: that sounds incredibly <laughs> specific
1: it wasn't i was just trying to think of something that might cause a i can't remember being like 22 let alone being 5 so
0: and our final story today comes from Stacy. So my story is actually a family story. Since I was a little girl, it seems that whenever my extended family gets together, we somehow end up talking about the haunted house. Sometime around 1963, my grandpa came home and told the family about a house for sale. They were living in South Texas, and the home was in the same town. It was being sold by an acquaintance of my grandfather's. It was a massive Spanish-style house on nine acres with six bedrooms, four bathrooms and four separate living areas. The house was entirely furnished and they bought it for $35,000. There was my grandparents, five kids and my great-grandfather living there. Right after they moved in, my great-uncle's four children came to live with them while he was overseas in the military. Right before they moved in, my mom, who was 17 at the time, and my aunt, who was 16 at the time, went to the house to pick out their rooms. My mom wanted one of the bedrooms, but my aunt, who was bigger and stronger, said that she would be taking that one, so my mom had to choose another one. This will be important later on, so stay with me. Right after moving into the house, there would be little things that just couldn't be explained, like the two youngest girls getting locked in one of the bathrooms several times. The only lock on the door was, strangely enough, a slide lock on the outside of the door. When this would happen, all the other kids would be at school, so it wasn't them picking on the little ones. They also had a dog that stayed outside, but when my grandpa would have to be somewhere overnight, my grandma would make the dog come inside for company. The dog wouldn't mind being downstairs. But when someone would try and coax him upstairs, he would let out a low growl and the fur on his neck would stand up. No one could ever get him up those stairs. My great-grandfather slept in a section of the house that was completely separated from the main house by a long breezeway. One morning my grandma went in to check on him, and he said, "'Where have you been? "'I called out for you all night long, but you never came. "'Some son of a bitch in a cowboy hat smoking a cigar "'sat on my dresser all night long and just stared at me. "'My grandma thought he might just be getting a bit old.' And they didn't leave him alone at night after that. He died a few months later. At the time my aunt that was 16 and suffering from epilepsy, she asked to go to bed early one evening. My grandpa told one of the kids to go check on her. And when he saw her light off, he went back saying that she must be asleep. Later my grandpa went to her room and found that she had committed suicide. It was after that that they started hearing stories. An older lady from next door told him that there was something wrong with the house, but that they had thought that it just needed a happy family living there. She also told of a couple that rented a small house behind the main house sometime in the 1940s. The husband would wake up in the middle of the night and his wife would be gone. Twice he found her in the main house attempting suicide and the third time she succeeded. There was another suicide there after her and sometime in the 70s there was a young boy who was apparently tormented while living there and had spent time in a mental facility afterwards. They all happened in the bedroom that my aunt died in. My family moved from the house a few months later. In 1976 my mother went to visit an old friend. They drove by the old house and she told my mom a story about her brother going to a Halloween party there. No one was living there at the time so a bunch of young adults decided to throw a party. They were all drinking and thought it would be fun to play hide and seek. The rule was that everyone had to stay on the first floor. One girl cheated and went halfway up a staircase to sit and hide. She looked behind her and there, staring at her, was a tall cowboy smoking a cigar she screamed, and the other partygoers turned on the lights and searched. There was an outside exit from the second floor, but it was padlocked from the outside. My mom's friend also told her one of the stories was that it was supposedly being haunted by a young woman that hated men. Jump to the 1980s. My mom and I were at a local mall in East Texas, where I was born and raised. There was a girl that was helping us in one of the stores. My mother noticed that she and I had similar rings on. She said that she had bought it in Harlingen in Texas. My mom told her that she had lived there for a while and told her about where the house was. The girl said, Oh, I know exactly where that is. That house is haunted. My mom didn't want to go into detail about the house, so she just said, Yeah, we heard that too. The sales girl told us that it was haunted by an older woman and a younger girl and the younger girl had been seen a few times in one of the windows. She said that she was a pretty girl with dark hair and a blue flowing dress. My mom handed me the money to pay for my jeans and said that she'd meet me outside. When I got outside, she was shaking and said that was her sister, who had long black hair. She had a closed casket funeral, but was buried in a blue nightgown with a matching robe. And also she wasn't really a fan of men either eventually the house was divided up into different apartments for a while but after people couldn't live there it was torn down i'm not exactly sure of the year a few years ago my mom my aunt and i went to south texas to visit we found where the house had been there's a restaurant that sits next to where the house would have been and i've since become good friends with the owner so hopefully we'll go back and see what else we can discover I would love to be able to find out what was there before the house. I think it was something that my mom and my aunt needed to see and be able to talk about the good and bad memories.
1: It's funny how buildings get that way, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes they're just haunted AF. Yeah. And there's loads of stuff going on. I'm quite intrigued by the man sitting on the dresser smoking a cigarette all night. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Fuck right off. (laughs) I feel like that's what you'll do when you're a ghost, though
0: what sit and smoke
1: yeah he probably yeah
0: i'd probably be too lazy to do any sort of yeah. <laughs> knocking or banging or knocking stuff over i just look menacing in and my let, 90s attire
1: unless the house that you're haunting has a cat and then you'll be very active yes i would be very if it was if it was
0: cat <laughs> a cat-based haunting i'd be very pleased that would make me very happy
1: yeah there's a lot of stuff here that i just wouldn't want to encounter on my on my own like there's not lots of things that i would not I just wouldn't be feeling.
0: No, and I feel like I feel like people who complete suicide like that leaves a whole other world of trauma mm. behind, which I don't know. It must leave some sort of mark on a
1: place. It's just I think like sadness is an energy in itself, isn't it? Definitely. I, was gonna fall, I thought I thought that was going to come out way weirder than it <laughs> mm. actually said it. Then, <laughs> what when you said sadness is an energy yeah. in itself? Yeah.
0: Well, when I when I used to work in the mental hospital, there was an, an older woman who worked with my mum and she always said that you could feel the sadness in the walls. That it like seeped out of the yeah. walls from years and years and years and years and years of just trauma from so many different people having such a terrible time. So was, I think sadness is, I don't know, it just leaves a mark. Yeah, absolutely. God, well, this is a terrible way to finish the episode. <laughs> And uh, if you enjoyed this week's episode you can send your own story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com You can find everything you need to know about us on our website reallifeghoststories.com No it's not That's not the website, it's (laughs) reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories where for $5 a month or for $2 a month you can get access to heaps of extra content And on that note We shall see you next week. Bye.